0: hello and welcome to another episode of video game logic today's episode was recorded on january the 4th 2022 i'm your host gaming psychologist and with me as always bringing out the leathers Caffeine rage on today's episode, we will, of course, be discuss- discussing the games that we have played. Square Enix wishes us a happy new year and then ruins it. We'll <laughs> actually be hitting those community corners from last week. The Battle for Bungie Soul inside the studio struggle for a better work culture and scientist who trains rat to play Doom 2 says he may start a Twitch channel. And
1: Rift then if time allows
0: air and, <laughs> and tear. And then if time allows, we will do a steam discovery queue. Time stamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? I'm doing alright. Well, that's good. Hopefully, there's the weather seems calm. It went from there there were like three or four days of storms, and it went from being 70 plus degrees every day down to below freezing within like a day or two. It was mm-hmm. pretty pretty, you know, weather whiplash. It was not pleasant, honestly. I mean, I, I like cold weather. Don't get me wrong. I prefer cold weather to warm weather, especially for the time of year that it is. But like that whiplash and those storms and there were like mm-hmm. some tornadoes. Good to way touch to get down. Sick, right? Good way to get sick. Good way to spawn tornadoes. And I'm sure there were plenty of car crashes and outages from rain and ice and whatnot.
1: Yeah, well, it... at least we weren't uh, in the ones of Virginia, right? Uh, that is true. What what happened in Northern Virginia? Uh, sun, that- uh that's where that big uh, traffic jam happened because of the snow.
0: Ah, yes, that, that uh,
1: yeah, where people were stuck for ten plus hours overnight in their cars on the interstate.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm just looking at the weather for the next yeah ten days on my uh, on my phone. And it's a roller coaster, so today was 46, tomorrow it's gonna be 50, then it's gonna drop back down to 32, then to 27, these are all highs by the way, then back up to 45, 52 on the weekend with rain, then back down to 32, 28, 45, 47, the fuck, right?
0: Yeah, let's see, I got 47 tomorrow, or no, sorry, 52 tomorrow, 34 Thursday with a chance of snow. 31 Friday, 45 Saturday, 53 Sunday with rain, 43 Monday, 39 Tuesday, and on and on like that. Seems like the coldest of the cold is past if the high tomorrow is 52.
1: Well, the fun fun part is that, you know, uh, snow Thursday night, going to Friday, uh, you know, pretty much uh, guaranteed with possibly a couple inches of accumulation. Then it all melts off Saturday. Sunday, there's... uh, about half an inch of rain drops back below freezing, so, you know, perfect for all those bridges, right? Yeah. And also, let's be honest, landslides, because, you know, uh, that fluctuation between uh, high and cold, uh, with uh, rain thrown in the mix as well, uh, that's gonna be fun. Yeah. But hey, remember, climate change is bullshit! Climate Beca- change is a Chinese hoax. That because... Yo, know, that senator could find a snowball. Damn. Oh,
0: debunked.
1: You know, this whole COVID thing. Uh, somebody brought up a really good point: is that if the human race couldn't get together on COVID and unite to try to contain it, we are early fucked with climate change. Yeah, because this is, uh, you know, literally killing people in the hospitals right now never mind the fact that delayed care is also causing untold numbers of deaths then we're told well we need to do institute these changes so that you know 20 years from now you know it's not you know you know 50 degrees around a oh, wait <laughs> right yeah but you know uh, that you know we- the weather patterns stabilize and start to go back to where we actually have four seasons It'd be nice. I would like to have four seasons. Instead, yeah, the weather's gone a little bit schizophrenic.
0: Yeah, uh, actually, get bipolar, up and down. Has a case of bitch be crazy. It does indeed. There's uh, while while we were talking about this, I went over to Reddit and there's an interesting as fuck post about what the world will look be like in a hundred years, and it's a snippet from a larger article. Somebody linked the source in the comments. Because, you know, all the real MVP is always in the comments. But it says, this says, The people of the year 2022 will probably never see a wire outlined against the sky. But it's practically certain that wireless teleg- telegraphy, telegraphy mm-hmm. and wireless telephones will have crushed the cable system long before the century is done. <laughs> Possibly, too, power may travel through the air when means are found to prevent enormous voltages being suddenly discharged in the wrong place. Coal will not be exhausted, but our reserves will be seriously depleted, and so will those of oil. One of the world's dangers a century hence will be a shortage of fuel, but it is likely that by that time, a great deal of power will be obtained from tides, from the sun, probably from radium. I guess that means radiation or from, you know, did they know about radioactive materials in the 1920s? I guess. There is
1: Mira Carey. uh, uh, She both uh, discovered uh, uh radiation and radiation poisoning
0: yeah and it says uh, radium and other forms of radial energy well it may also be that atomic energy will be harnessed if it is true that matter is kept and then that's where it ends Is kept yeah
1: Well, I just saw something interesting about uh, kfc launching plant-based fried chicken hey if they could uh, make it so that it's juicy when it's severely overcooked like they're well Well, unlike their regular chicken, then maybe the local chicken joint would actually be decent.
0: They're building a KFC here in town. There Uh, used to be a KFC in Dayton, and then they got sold and turned into a Wendy's, and now they're building a new KFC. Well,
1: they built a KFC, ironically enough, in the parking lot of what used to be the Kmart near me. (laughs) So right? Yeah. I'm not sure what they're going to do with that Kmart. There's been rumors going around about it, but... That, uh, that KFC is unimpressive. Uh, they overcook everything. I mean, just massively overcook. It, yeah. It, uh, the last time Anita and I had it, uh, the chicken tenders I had, it was more like I got chicken jerky. Which, don't get me wrong, I do like chicken dir- jerky. But that's
0: not what you wanted in that moment.
1: No. And they're also stingy as fuck with uh, salsas. So, Anita's Nashville hot... Uh, Tenders were, you know, kind of sauced. And the dipping sauces, I, well, they, they supposedly use the code the, uh, that the KFC sauce, it means no sauce because of, you yeah, know, right? Yeah. It's just, and they'll only include one in an entire order when, you know, it's also dry as fuck. Right. So, unimpressed. So, hey, if their plant based uh, chicken works out, which, hey, that is one way to combat climate change, a more, an easier way to have plant based alternatives so that, you know, the meat industry
0: is not as impactful on the environment, right? Indeed. But if you want to hear about something that's impactful on my meat industry, there were many opportunities, but I didn't want to interrupt you to segue to reading something to the listeners from a book that you sent me for Christmas called Fifty Shades of Chicken, a parody <laughs> and a cookbook. And it's a parody of Fifty Shades of Grey, in case you're out there listening and you've been fortunate enough to never hear Fifty Shades of Grey and are confused. um, This book, I have thumbed through it. I haven't read all of the little sort of story material that accompanies oh, or just, each the, recipe. Or just the back cover, right? Yeah, the back cover is... uh, there, There's a very sexy muscular torso there um mm-hmm. who's holding a chicken that has been tied up <laughs> like it's it's a roast chicken but yes i know it's like in big letters it's like dripping thighs sticky fingers chicken sub chicken with a larden learning to trust you and more but no, i i, I have an an excerpt, one of the things before a recipe. You told me I had to read something. This is called Holy Mole Chicken. (laughs) Or is that supposed to be Holy Moly? I think Holy Moly. Holy Moly. Uh, Holy Moly Chicken.
1: Honestly, I did not read through everything. I looked at some of the recipes and I looked at some of the additional stuff because there's some story bits. Right. Uh, Because it actually has a bit of a story in it as well.
0: Yeah, I I, I, mean, like I said, I, I skimmed through some of it, and they definitely wrote it to parody the Fifty Shades of Grey books, which I have read some of them, and or, or yeah, bits never, and pieces of them. Yeah, I've never
1: read it, and the Ooh, only thing... Oh
0: boy, are they badly <laughs> written. Uh, the, on- the only
1: bits I know of it are uh, when it became kind of a meme for people to read it, and still the greatest reading of it I ever heard. Well, there was two. John St. John, Duke Nukem, doing an invoice. Uh, But to be honest, that's kind of his voice anyway. And of course,
0: Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. All right, here we go. Holy Moly Chicken. He picks me up from the shelf, and I notice for the first time an ingredient list posted on the door of the Sub-Zero. His list reads as bossy and kinky as he talks, and it includes peanuts, chocolate, raisins. And me, (laughs) pervy. Are we making cookies? I cluck coquettishly. He glances at the list and narrows his eyes at me playfully. No, Miss Hen, I haven't figured out how to make you a dessert yet. He quirks his lips into a smile. I have something more elaborate planned for today. Ah, well, what if I don't feel elaborate today? You don't want to cook, he asks. Not just cook, I murmur tentatively. Am I really going to ask? I see, he frowns. Okay, here goes nothing. I want you to make dinner with me. Simple, normal, unfinessed. His face clouds. Shit, this isn't going well. He cocks his head from one side to the other, and again. Jeez, he's really discombobulated. You want candles and linen, hearts and flowers, he says. But I don't know how to do that, chicken. My tastes are very particular. I want you to taste only me. Taste me for what I am, clean your plate, mop up my juices with bread. He takes a dazed step back, and for a moment the air grows tense. Please, I whisper. I don't know, he mutters, and he stalks off to find something. My subconscious is hopping mad. Now you've done it, you've made him chicken out. But he returns with that foxy look in his eyes. His apron hangs off his hips in a way that makes my whole body gabble with glee. (laughs) He's holding something. It's a chunk of chocolate. Oh, shit. He really knows how to distract a girl. (laughs) I still wish he'd make dinner with me. With me tasting like me. But maybe it's okay to let him cook me. If there's chocolate involved. Just this once. (laughs) So there you go.
1: I take it this is going to be a thing for a while.
0: Oh, hot damn son. I'm my, my loins are tingling. I'm going to be reading this for a while. (laughs) Yeah, no, you know me quite well. It it was so fun to read. I hope it came across like just mm, centrally.
1: Yeah, you're so going to get a uh, uh,
0: talking to you from the HR at work. <laughs> after I'm tomorrow. Sh- I'm sure it'll be all right. Uh, so so you I heard you were t- showing people a cookbook? Why yes, HR lady. It was a cookbook. <laughs> would you like to see my chicken cookbook? It's very saucy. Then I then I get fired. I would need a lot more than a cardboard box to get my stuff out of the office. I got a shitload <laughs> of stuff there. All right. Uh, this is probably going to be the
1: sticky fingers.
0: Yes, <laughs> this is probably going to be the longest intro to the games we played that we have ever had. We're at twenty six and a half minutes thereabouts. Uh, and some of it was us talking before we even started, but surely we're 15 plus minutes in now. So you ready to talk about some games, Rage? Sure, I guess. All right. So I'm going to sandwich I need you a breather today. anyway, because who? Yeah. Yeah, hot get, in the kitchen now. Getting all hot and bothered, huh? So uh, so I'm going to sandwich you today. So unless you really want to go first and then have me double up, uh, I will go ahead and start. Nah, go for it. All right. So I've got two games that I'm going to talk about this week. The first one is Mecha Knight's Nightmare. I picked this up on the Steam sale along with some other games, which you will be hearing about over the course of the next few weeks. Um, I have played a lot of games the last two weeks. Uh, nice to play a bunch of different games again. Instead of just like sticking to one or two like I have been for a while. But anyways, Mecha Knights is interesting. It's it's a mix of several different games that's produced by a small dev team and self-published. Um that is pretty decent. So it's it's a mix of armored core, um, uh Earth Defense Force and Attack on Titan. Um the Armored Core part comes from the mechs, just, or the mecha, rather, this is this mecha, not mechs. There is a difference, um, although I wouldn't take anyone's head off if they got them confused. But anyways, it, it's, you know, the mecha are pretty heavily inspired by Armored Core. The legs, the sort of generic sort of starting loadouts that you can get, the names of the parts feel very in line with the Armored Core series. The movement system is fairly light and floaty. And while, you know, if you get bigger, heavier mech chassis, you move slower. But generally speaking, you know, everything has got little boosters equipped to it. So you can zip around. There are um, both as like sort of a uh, just like a skating type of thing over the ground. So you move quickly. You've got like hyper boosts you can do to move super fast. Um, And then you've got little dodge thrusters like. Every every mech has those Um, there is no flight, unfortunately, I'm assuming that it was just very difficult to code those mechanics in, Um, like I said, this being a small dev team of just like a few people. um, The credits list is is pretty short. So the, the mech designs and mech customization are inspired by that you can choose each arm separately, the legs come as a pair and the torso, you can choose the head. You have four primary weapons, one in each hand and one in each shoulder that you can choose, but you can have a total of eight weapons. Um, You have equipment slots, but you can put weapons in the equipment slots. Um, They're they're sort of special weapons that you find throughout the game, but you can do that. So if you wanted to have eight total weapons, you could. And certainly there are missions where it's not a bad idea to take as many guns as you possibly can. Um, The Earth Defense Force part, kind of comes in here uh, generally speaking most missions come down to kill the enemies oh god kill all of the enemies and there are lots of them um, Giant after... insects no that's where the attack on titan part comes in but we'll get to that in a moment um i still uh I still maintain their giant insects well there are some giant insects actually and some other giant creatures but we'll, we'll get there in a moment so their defense force part comes in with just like tons and tons of enemies that drop weapons that you pick up, and that's how you get new weapons. Um, you, there is a currency system where that you can spend money to get uh, drops, like, for example, supply drops during your mission, or certain abilities, like if you call in reinforcements or call in airstrikes, like those cost resources, and then also permanent upgrades to your mech cost resources. So basic upgrades like extra health or more energy for your boosters or, you know, stuff like that. Um, you have to spend the the resources on uh for those permanent upgrades, but anyways, you pick so you pick up resources during the battle, you pick up new weapons um and there's some other special items that are like kind of lore related um and then uh the attack on Titan part comes in that the first sets of enemies are like giant human monsters that feel very reminiscent of the attack on Titan, you know. Uh, low-level, air quotes, low-level titan monsters. Um, and then later, enemies that show up become less and less humanoid, but it's remarked several times throughout the game, like, oh my god, they're made up of humans! It's... And oh, giant uh- insects! <laughs> yeah, some of them do look like giant insects. Um, or crabs. Or some of them look like giant
1: uh, crabs. So I'm referring to uh, that one Art game. Defense Force? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, there are, I believe twenty missions. Um, there's also secondary missions that show up called raids that you can go on to get extra resources um and are sort of like wave based things as opposed to actual missions with objectives. Although, like I said, most of the missions break down to kill all of the bad guys or kill the specific bad guy that you need to kill and then, like escape. Um there's a like one escort mission, and like one other mission that's like do recon but the game is interesting so b movies are a specific sort of genre or type of movie that tend to have a certain amount of charm in you know because of some of their badness either in the way that they cut corners because they just can't afford certain things or the way that certain you know lines are delivered, or actor styles, or whatever, you know, B-movies have a certain charm to them, and it's very difficult for games to feel B-movie. It can happen, and I feel like Earth Defense Force sits pretty squarely in B-movie territory. The whole thing is pretty tongue-in-cheek, but it, generally speaking, plays well. It's a little janky, but not in such a way that it ruins the gameplay. Um... There's probably a few other games that I I would describe as, like, B-movie-type games, and I'm sure I've probably described a couple more on the show that I'm trying to blank on right now. Mecha Knight sits pretty squarely in that B-movie territory for me. Um, It's got some voice acting, and it's not good, but in that B-movie sort of way, where it's, like, you can tell that they tried, it's kind of charming, the quality is good, but it's also, like, overacted, and I find that charming. The mechanics, like, all of the bad guys, like, or you know, all of the enemies move and behave and fight in such a way that has sort of a jankiness to it. Um, Your allies, even though they're, you know, tanks and turrets, or, sorry, tanks and choppers and other mechs, are basically turrets, um, unless they're scripted to do something in a mission, which could be kind of annoying, but also the way that it plays out is just kind of charming in a B-movie way. The gameplay is solid. I'll give it that. It's frustrating that you can't fly. But I, I understand that, you know, for whatever reason, they felt like that was a, you know, a limitation that they couldn't quite figure out um, the, the player character flying. Or perhaps that that would just, like, break the entire game if you could fly wherever you wanted to go. So I, I do accept that as a limitation. It kind of sucks, but I accept it. But, you know, the the, the gameplay itself, once you get into it and sort of get used to a couple of the oddities of the default control system, which you can rebun keys and stuff like that, but I, I kept it at the default. Um, once you get used to that, it's fine. It controls well. It always does what you want it to do. I never felt like I died because of something that the game did or didn't do. It always felt like I fucked up when I died and had to restart a level, um, which I think is good. It, you know, it's a good, solid... You know, fairly simple, but solid control scheme. Um, there's plenty of in game tutorials and hints um, to, you know, explain things to you. Um, there's some jokes, you know, some in, you know, cheeky in universe jokes and references to other mech and mecha games, as well as Earth Defense Force and some other sci fi series, you know, kind of in a, like I said, like in a B movie way. It's got a very B movie charm to it. Um, The difficulty ramps up real real bad, real fast. Um, Following sort of in the footsteps of Earth Defense Force, it expects you to replay levels, some of the lower difficulty levels, to grind out gear and upgrades to tackle the more difficult levels, which kind of sucks. That definitely feels like artificial padding. I said that it had something like 20 missions, but most of them are very quick. Um, I mean, I played through the first seven or eight missions within like, An hour, and then kind of hit a wall where that I failed mission eight twice, and had you know had to go and start doing some grinding because my best equipment just wasn't good enough. So that can be frustrating. Um, But overall, I think it's a pretty solid like C plus to B minus experience. Um, You know, I I got it on the Steam sale for like twelve bucks, thirteen bucks. Um, I have enjoyed my time with it. I will continue to enjoy my time with it. I don't know how much replayability there is here, but if there was a sequel, like if they ever make a sequel, I would buy that sequel and enjoy it. Um, The only two things that I think that it really needs to add are flight and melee weapons. There are no melee weapons, Um, and that was a huge part of Armored Core, having like beam swords and other, you know, melee weapons. Oh, okay, three things. Flight, melee weapons. Your allies in combat do more than, than... just sit there and do whatever they're scripted to do. Thankfully, at least their damage does matter. So if you're doing like a a base defense mission and you have to fight off, you know, X number of waves of enemies and protect the extraction point or whatever, their shots do matter. And the, the monsters will come attack them and, you know, destroy them. So at least it's not just totally on you to do everything, but by and large like even on some of the missions where you have giant armies on your side it's like you're still doing better than all of them you know but they are helpful so yeah it's a neat experience i if you are listening to this and you're like i don't know that doesn't really seem like i would like it all that much i i would say like if you ever catch this on sale for like two bucks get it and try it i think it's worth that to try you know on an impulse on a whim um if you like, you know, if you typically like the types of games that I like, um, I think there's a good shot you'll like this. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't feel like I wasted my money, and if there is a sequel, I would probably buy it. I would definitely buy it if it had those three things that I that I mentioned. AI that does stuff, or it, allies that do stuff, rather. Light and melee weapons. Yeah, which
1: that's kind of the thing, is that whenever you have games that embrace that B-movie feel uh, for the story, they often don't control that well, or they're cl- yeah, very clunky. Yeah. You know? Yep. So having something that actually plays somewhat decently is, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a downward in the rough, right? Yeah,
0: definitely. Absolutely. I was, I was kind of, you know, I bought it on a whim. And I was, it. once I started, the first, it does not make a good initial impression when you load it up and you're listening to the voice actor and you're like, oh no, is this going to be the whole game? Is this how it's going to be? Like, them just trying really hard and then failing. And then you start playing and you're like, okay, this actually works. Then it feels pretty good. Um, and then, you know, so it starts to pour on kind of the B-movie-ness to it, you know, like, so two thumbs up. Would recommend if you like this type of thing.
1: Okay, so this is going to be the first of probably a series of Switch games I'm going to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, this is one I actually got for my birthday early December that I've been playing on and off. And it's one of those games that's really meant to be played in small bits, put down, pick back up later. And it's WarioWare Inc. Get It Together. I talked about the Demo about this a while back Uh, At least I think I did And this one Of course has a lot more features because The demo is also very uh, stripped down So the idea of the story of this And yes there is a bit of a story And it kind of ties All these mini games together and those who Have never played WarioWare WarioWare is the Concept of micro games uh, Very short, usually 5 to ten second games uh, That have a unique feel to them. Warriorware is known for just being completely off the rails and bizarre. You know, like there's several games uh, around the idea of like shaving people or plucking, you know, armpit hair. <laughs> uh there's some games are uh kind of ports of old concepts from NES games, like uh guiding Samus uh, in the original Metroid uh, and her Morph Ball to uh, the exit of a uh, level. Um, There's uh, going uh, on the the first Game Boy uh, uh, Super Mario Land, uh, uh, hitting a, a question mark block. That's the entire point of that game. And like I said, they're very short, but they also have various stages of them. They'll get more difficult uh, in in higher difficulty levels, but the game also starts to speed up once you get past a certain point, depending on what you're actually doing in the game. And then there's different sets of them as you progress through the story. So the idea of the story of this one is that WarioWare is essentially making fun of EA at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Wario was working late at night, and basically was fantasizing about all the money he was going to make selling his game, and was haphazard in writing the code, and wrote it so shoddily that it developed its uh, uh, a self-aware AI bug in it, and sucked the entire development team into it. And they're fighting their way out. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, a little on the nose, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Right?
1: And the idea for this game, uh, all, all, pretty much all the warrior wares have their own sub-gimmick as well. And the one for this one is that the 20-some playable characters all control somewhat differently. There are some that are similar. Like, uh, there's... I need to bring up the character list because this is one of those things that... I don't know the lore of WarioWare.
0: Oh god, I don't either.
1: Uh, well, enough to be able to name the characters off right away, so... Uh, Wario can fly, he has a jetpack that uh, allows him to fly and do a charge attack, like the in the old uh, War, uh, Super Wario Land games. Yeah. Uh, there's 18 Volt, who just kind of sits there and can launch a CD uh, as a projectile. And he could all, and the C, if the CD hits something that can be pulled back to him, it'll pull him back to him. But also, if you have to move in the level, you have to aim at rings to basically grab and pull yourself to. And then there's others that are, are, are kind of irritative of one another. So there's a cricket that is essentially a Mario clone. Where, you know, it's your traditional, you know, run and jump uh, platformer character, you know, protagonist. But then there's uh, Master Mantis, who uh, could do that. But also, if he jumps high enough, he's able to attach the ceiling and run along the ceiling
0: upside down, mind you. (laughs) Right? Well, that's fancy. There are some characters that are
1: essentially two halves of a whole. There's Dribble and Spitz that uh, both fly around. Dribble... Uh, always shoots to the right of them, and Spitz always shoots to the left of them, and they're meant to be controlled together by two different pl- people. It only and if there's only one player, you only control dribble and never control Spitz, unless there's some sort of weird, um, you no. know, challenge going on. And there's another pair of ninjas that do the same thing. Only instead of being able to fly around, they are constantly jumping. Uh, there are some that uh. Uh, Essentially swim through the air Uh, One that teleports To a location and then Falls down to the ground Mm -hmm. And they all have Different strengths and weaknesses based on the mini game So Or micro game I guess I should say So you know like Wario Being able to fly around might Have an advantage in one game But if there's like a bunch of spikes or something uh, Then As you speed up more and more he may be at a disadvantage and may be better for Ashley, who also can fly around, but also has <clears throat> a projectile that she could fire off uh, to uh, uh, bring the item to her. It would be uh, better off. Or you'll have like, you know, um, is it 18 volt or no, it's not eight or five volt. Sorry. There's several that are based around batteries, uh, five volt, who just could teleport. Right. Well, that seems pretty useful. Yeah, but for other games, it's not as useful because uh, she's vulnerable and just sitting there until she uh, teleports. And it kind of you know, throws off a shockwave attack, and then she just drops down to the ground. So, right? Gotcha. And there's one that's essentially a, uh, a flappy bird. You know, she could walk along the ground very slowly, but if you press the action button or the jump button or whatever you want to call it. So basically jump up in the air and sp- uh, spin the propeller on her hat. <laughs> and uh, then slowly drift back down, and you're able to control her going left and right. Like I said, very varied amount of characters, and as you progress through the story, you unlock more and more of them, and some of them are very challenging, but they have their strengths, but also they're more useful in the challenges. So there's a weekly online leaderboard challenge that, uh, depending on what's going on. You could choose characters. There's so, uh, some challenges that are locked in. Like last week's was playing through the three levels that are ripped from Super Mario world as three set characters. Uh, and it's basically best time. Uh, 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 the better your time, the higher up on the leaderboard you go. Yeah. And I actually got a rank on that one, which is the highest uh, essentially yeah, percentage or percentile. And uh, the higher the rank you get on the leaderboard, the more warrior-aware coins you get, which is its own currency for being able to go into the in-game shop. There's no microtransactions on this, thankfully, right? <laughs> uh, and buying Prezies, which is given to the different uh, uh, cast members to level them up, which for some of the challenges increases the score that they get. Like this week's, it's uh, one that you choose a character, and the higher level they are times their difficulty is their overall score they get per level. And yeah, essentially a higher level character will score better, even if they're an easier difficulty, because, right? Uh there's various two player modes. I haven't actually gotten Anita to play it just yet because it's one of those that I think she's gonna have to sit down and feel, get a feel out for the characters first. Right. Uh but there's like volleyball games that you can play in it. Uh um there's keep up that you can play in it. And it's the the idea is that yeah you know, uh both cooperative and competitive, there's a two player mode where you get assigned essentially a random character out of two or four it actually plays up to four character four people at a time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a uh tabletop hockey thing and the last person that touched the puck uh plays a mini game, and the other people can mess with the screen <laughs> oh interesting uh, so and because you uh grab your character, essentially randomly. It's uh, basically on a wheel as you go in. Uh, You could try to force somebody that is weak on that one. So uh, one of the more difficult ones to control is Penny. Penny uh, has a high difficulty modifier because her power is she can hover but she also has a jetpack. Think of it as like Super Mario Sunshine. You know how he had the water jetpack? Yeah. So But she uses the recoil, so she controls completely opposite of how all the other flying characters play. (laughs) So in order to go right, you have to aim left. Um, If it's a challenge that you have to, like, um, there's a couple that's, like, count the objects. Well, it's very easy to miscount, or there's one that's, like, uh, uh, if you hit the object, it'll actually pop it. You're, like, counting uh, balloons. And it has a number along the top, and you have to touch the number. But -hmm. if you hit the objects that you're trying to count with the water, you know it changes the number. And then it's like, okay, count the blue objects, and you know you're and you're trying to fly over to like four, and you accidentally pop a couple on the way, and you screw up, right? Yeah, all this is within a few seconds as well, right? It's uh, it it gets intense. Uh, It is a game that. You can play for a a, a long amount of time, but I think the best way to play it is really a pick-up-and-put-down game. You know, pick it up, uh, play for, you know, half an hour, an hour, uh, put it back down, play something else, go back to it. It doesn't feel like it's one of those that's really meant to be marathoned. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, uh, uh,
1: Kind of Animal Crossing-esque in its feel, where, you know, it's meant for kind of I'm a structuralistic gaming. You know, go in, play it for a while. You know, once a week or so, Uh, make an attempt on some of the challenges. I think it's required to have uh, Nintendo Online for the uh, leaderboard, but I'm not actually certain on that one. Uh, I do know that it supports uh, wireless play as well. I'm not. I don't think it supports online or proper online play though, which is weird, right? But that is, you know, Nintendo for you. Yeah. Uh, it is a very good game. For price, if you're not, you know, one of those that, you know, absolutely must play it at, uh, I would say, you know, try the demo. It gives you a good idea of what Warrior Wear is because it's one of those games that it's d- describing it, it feels like it's missing something, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of content here that uh, I'm just failing to really. Uh, bring forth because a, a fair amount of it is going through the story and then uh, essentially high score attack or going into the missions which is essentially their achievements and some are very simple and that you'll accidentally do but then you'll get ones that are like uh, some of the ones I did like uh, there's this one uh, minigame where you're in warrior's stomach alright and it's rather twisted up in there as you might imagine I and mean, he's yeah, eating, and he's eating a bunch of random shit and you have to essentially dislodge the things that are in his uh, stomach wall. Uh, And it's uh, essentially just a mini maze. All right. For lack of a better term. Right. Uh, And you have to touch one to three objects within a a certain amount of time. And uh, one of the challenges is take uh, Mona. I think it was who her special thing is she has a boomerang that she could launch out uh, uh, to cause herself to hold still. Otherwise, she's constantly in motion, which, you know, in of itself uh, brings its own challenge. Right. Uh, and uh, dislodge an object in Warrior's stomach without touching, the, uh, without touching a wall, which is difficult. <laughs> Especially once you start to speed things up, right?
0: Yeah, I could imagine.
1: And, and there's constant, you know... Uh, Warrior Cup, uh, it's uh, a weekly cycle of things. There's the variety pack, which has various mini games and some things that aren't in the actual full on rotation. There are, uh, there is a co op mode in the story as well where two people can play at the same time in the mini games, which get which I imagine would get incredibly chaotic (laughs) in a good way. Or perhaps a bad way, depending on how you go. Uh, you can go and play the individual mini games to tr- practice them. I mean, there, it, it's like I said, it's a lot of fun if you are into that sort of thing. And the uh, idea of yeah, you know, constantly having your control method changing, <laughs> while c- it can be frustrating, especially on some of the challenges where you have to take your entire crew, and you might have bad luck of the draw and get, you know, you might get Penny on a mission that or a mini game that is, you. Know, very difficult for her. but you might get one that is made far easier by getting you know a character that can fly or just teleport or you know or that could uh, beam up something which is a, another one of the characters that could just kind of uh float around and pick up something really easily right
0: yeah it sounds sounds good i mean i i like mini game games especially to play with other people yeah, not I, as much on my own, but playing with other people, definitely. Yeah, this
1: is one of those games that when Nintendo announced that they were doing uh, you know, mobile gaming, this would have been a slam dunk on mobile, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I really I really don't know why WarriorWare is not, you know, or, I can't find a game that, or, uh, a mobile game that captures the essence of it, which I know part of it is the Wario character and how absurd the game is. It believe me, it gets absurd. I mean, there are a lot of references to other Nintendo properties, particularly in the uh, group of classic mini game or the classic Nintendo games uh, section, where you know it's like uh, defeat Bowser. You know, you have to you know get past him to uh, get the uh, hammer, a-, a la Mario Brothers one, or hitting an object to uh, like in Breath of the Wild. But then there's ones that are just you know uh hammer a nail and uh it's you know, you're like this shrunken down uh character in a, a, a stool that's getting hammered together or dodge uh the fruit uh and you know there's just a bunch of fruit tumbling down the uh down this massive uh staircase um uh, you, know, avoid uh getting hit by bead years by taking shelter behind uh essentially. Essentially, you know the, uh, you know the Piccolo meme. Uh, yes, uh, where he's blocking the pasta, right? Yeah. Uh, essentially, that is one of the mini games or micro games. You know. Oh, nice. That that sounds funny. And then you have you know the larger boss battles. One of them I described, which was the challenge from last week, was the Super Mario World. And there's other ones that are uh, in there as well, which. Are longer but still would be a, a short mini game in most games so there's you know like a, essentially a boss battle there's one where you're juicing fruit and you have to uh stomp on fruit and depending on the character you have that could be made a lot easier made a lot tougher uh try to think of some of the other ones i mean there there's probably about 20 different Boss levels, on top of yeah, all the uh, micro games. Yeah, I will say storyboat is a bit short, but that storyboat is more just there tying together the different groups of mini games or micro games. Or I keep using mini games when not meaning to say micro games with this thing because right, it's essentially there to give a bit of a narrative. Uh, And really, the kind of the Meat is going into the Wario Cup and you know, doing score attack.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it'd be a hell of a party game especially you know for people uh with uh controllers uh I-, I imagine that one uh hockey puck one you know trying to screw each other over right yeah so yeah i mean that's warrior wear. there's uh it's one of those things that there's not a lot to talk about but there's also a lot to talk about
0: right Lots of sort of small things. It's not like a giant story yeah. game, but there's a lot of mechanics and components to discuss. Yeah, Which,
1: which remember, I am a me- uh, more mechanical gamer, so having, you know, I- characters that are split into essentially two halves of a whole is also a very interesting concept to me. Yeah. So definitely going to have to con Anita to play that one with me at some point. <laughs> uh, especially, Maybe. you know, like the ninjas that jump constantly, but Fire in different directions and uh, the two taxi drivers that, you know, do essentially the same thing. It is a little disappointing that some of them are essentially, like, better versions of the others. But, yeah, you know, with 20 characters, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to be very upset about it. And there's some that are just annoying to try to use. Like, uh, Nine Volt is probably the worst one, in my opinion. Him and Penny. Nine Volt is a kid that's on a skateboard. And he can't stop, so he's constantly bouncing back and forth. His attack is shooting upwards with a yo-yo. And for some games, it's fine. On, but on others, if you miss once, you're basically doomed. Right? But that's also why he has a, you know, a high difficulty multiplier. So for things like this week's uh, 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 challenge, uh, to get a high score with him, you need you know, significantly fewer rounds than like you know, someone with Wario. Yeah. So it does balance out. It's just irritating. So,
0: ready to hear about? Yeah. So the let's hear you bitch about. Uh, yeah, let's hear your bitch. So I don't, I don't know how much bitching I'll do. So I played Halo Infinite. Um, I have not beat the campaign. I have played it for something like twenty hours. I'm a decent way in. Now, um, I have heard that this is essentially a reset on the story. It seems that way. I have mixed feelings about the game as a whole. Generally speaking, I enjoyed it, especially playing it on Game Pass. Um, That that would take some of the sting out of my disappointment in the story. Um, I don't, on the one hand, they could have done better. Like you could always, you know, like technically speaking, it's like yes, you could always make improvements, but really they could have cleaned up some of their mess. And made it a little more comprehensible, but also they're kind of backed into a corner and trying to, you know, make a new pathway forward for themselves story wise. So that that this game is too, you know, multiplayer aside, like fuck multiplayer. I will probably never play the multiplayer. Um, Maybe like if you did, or if you know some of our listeners really wanted to play. Like, sure, I would join in, but, like, I'm never going to go play multiplayer by myself. Like, I'm well past those days of my life, right? And the co-op for the campaign still is not available. So, you know, if you're, if you're going on, going it in campaign, you're going alone right now. So, but I, I'm in two minds about this game. The mechanics for this game, mwah, chef's kiss. They made Halo much, much, much better. And I was already, you know, pretty on board for the mechanics. Really, the only negative I had about them was, you know, being so used to PC gaming over the last few years, coming back to like Halo 5 a couple years ago, it's like, oh wow, Halo's really slow. But they fixed that, and I'll talk about that in more detail later, and sort of improved on all the other game mechanics. The story, I think I'm gonna start with the story. The story is at best confusing. And if you don't know much about Halo, then it would be impenetrable so here's the thing halo infinite is technically speaking the third game in the second halo trilogy so halo 1 2 and 3 is its own trilogy reach and odst are sort of separate spin-off games that feed back into the main story but are not part of the main story right um the, the games count as like primary canon and then the books underneath that. And then underneath that, like the extra stuff, like the animations and whatever. So canon wise, like the games are still at the top of the list, even reach and ODST, but they're more spinoffs than mainline. Then you've got Halo four and five and Halo Infinite is supposed to be Halo six, like in the mainline campaign and sort of wrap up that trilogy and provide a jumping off point to continue making further Halo games. And even, like, if that were the case, there would probably be some stuff that you might be confused about if you were jumping into this and had missed Halo 4 and 5 or hadn't played the original trilogy. Like, fair enough, I could kind of understand that. Like, the game expects you to be at least somewhat familiar with its material as the sixth one in, in the main series. But they bring in... So the, the main enemy are called the Banished, and they only exist in Halo Wars. The Real time strategy Halo spin off games, specifically Halo Wars 2. The main bad guy in Halo Wars 2 is not the main bad guy in Halo Infinite, but is referenced hardcore like constantly. And if you don't know who this dude is and where he comes from and what his deal is, you're going to be lost. Other than the fact that, like, all right, these guys are the bad guys, they're all the aliens that were in the Covenant, they're the bad guys. On top of that, to know what's going on with Cortana, and the whole point of this is it's like you get a new Cortana who's like so bay, and she's like, you know, young and a little bit naive, and it's like that whole thing, like how you got here and why you have new baby Cortana instead of old Cortana. It's crazy. It's in a book. If you want any of that backstory, you gotta go get one of the Halo books. Specifically, there's like another... Trilogy of books that explains what happens with the AI and what happened with Cortana and what happened between Halo 5 and Halo Wars 2 and Halo Infinite. And it's like, I'm a big Halo fan. I've read, mm, I think, all of the books up to the year, like, 2016. And then I kind of dropped off the series. I I own and have read all of the graphic novels that exist up to that time. I have played all of the games. You know, etcetera, etc., cetera. and I went into this going, "Wait, what? Who are these people? Who is this guy? What's going on? Hang on. Why are we here? Why is why are we on another Halo ring? What happened? Didn't we blow those up last time? Who's? Why do we Once have? they weird- finishing the fight, right? So, Halo Infinite is trying to. I- create a new jumping off point into the series and what they're trying to do I think is bring all of the stuff to one point at Halo Infinite and then use that as a springboard for future sequels and this made me want to go play Halo Wars 2 again to refresh myself on like the main bad guys and stuff and I'm not going to talk about this that this week probably in two weeks because next week we're doing the VGL awards but probably in two weeks I'm going to talk about Halo Wars but Like, Halo Wars 2 explains a bunch of stuff going on in Infinite, who the main bad guys are, why you're on another Halo ring. That's Halo Wars 2. Why, um, like, some of the stuff that happened with Cortana, I haven't read the books. I might, I might not, but I assume that story leads into here. And then the remaining hanging threads from Halo 5 are all coming out in Infinite. And it's like, like I said when I started talking about this, on the one hand, I kind of get it. They had been painted into a corner and they want sort of a new jumping off point to start telling new stories with new technologies and new, you know, this and that um, for a new generation. But on the other hand, y'all could have done a much better job, even if it would have been frustrating or annoying. Like, I think that that I would have bitched about this too if it was in the game, but I would rather be bitching about them, like, having, like, a primer that caught you up on what was going on. I would have bitched about that but i would have liked that more than being confused for hours and then having to go play another game and then peruse the wiki to get caught up on what was going on so for better or for worse the storyline at best is a convoluted mess the gameplay a plus love it the game the moment to moment gameplay in halo infinite is chef kiss beautiful First of all, they added a grappling hook. Any game that adds a grappling hook that lets you effectively Spider-Man around the map, two thumbs up. Yeah, Spider-Man lets you effectively Spider-Man around the map. Two thumbs up. Love it. It's great. Um, Even you, you gain upgrades. So Halo Infinite is an open world game. But an open world in the sense of when open world games used to be good and open and not just populated with towers to climb to give you all the little points to go explore. Um, there is some of that, but for the most part, it's an open world game that you can explore at your leisure and find secrets and Spider-Man around and find new ways to get to where you want to go. All that's good. Um, you, you do find things where you can upgrade your abilities and your gear and you do find things that apparently like carry over to multiplayer again, which I will never touch. So fuck it. Um, but it is good. You you have a there are a series of, of abilities that you get. Um, so some things are gone, like you sprint. Uh, at one point sprint was like an armor power, but you can now sprint, so your heart's content. No worries. Um the shield can be upgraded now to work sort of like an over shield that's kind of on all the time. It's just an upgrade that you can get. Really good, handy. Need that for boss fights. Um, You've got the grappling hook, which can be upgraded with a number of powers. Like, but you know, by default, it's a grappling hook. You can pull yourself around. You can grab objects and pull them towards you. So, you want a gun, but it's out of reach, or you know, an enemy just died and you're like sprinting away, but you want to get his gun before you get killed by like the hunters or whatever. You so just scorpion it, huh? You get scorpion it. Yep. Yo, get over here. Get over here. You can do that. Um, There are lots of of materials in the world that can be thrown, different types of bombs and explosives and other sort of traps that you can pick up and throw. You can grapple hook all of those to you and then throw them at enemies, very handy. You can grapple hook yourself to enemies and pull pull yourself in for like an immediate uh, melee attack. Um, Your grappling hook can, can be upgraded to allow you to wheel yourself in like faster and do sort of like a ground pound that damages enemies around you. You can do, like, an electric shock that will stun enemies for a few seconds. So that's good. Then there's, like, a um, uh, like a radar drop that you can do that initially just uh, lets you see cloaked enemies in the world, but then it can expand its detection range, and then it can show you secrets, and then it can serve as, like, a decoy for, you know, the enemies will be attracted to, some other neat stuff like that. Um you can get like a sort of a directional shield that you can drop down, like a barrier. Um, that as you upgrade it, it gets stronger and larger and can throw it farther and then can reflect incoming fire back at enemies. So, neat stuff. Um, they have added and removed, you know, changed, added and removed weapons. Uh, I miss a couple of weapons that are gone, but for the most part, um, the weapons that they added are are really good, and they added variants of weapons. Now, um, it since it's an open world, and there are things that you can do, you can discover upgraded variants of your weapons. Well, not upgraded; they're different. The, um, they have different properties. So the original weapons could still be useful. For example, the assault rifle, like the upgraded version, uh, gets a, a sort of a range boost. Um, you know, it's more accurate out to a longer range. Um, And it does a little bit more damage, but its fire rate is slower. So depending on your play style, you might prefer one over the other. One is not specifically a flat upgrade, so that's good. Um, Gives a lot more variety. AI is smarter on both fronts. uh, You have friendly human AI, uh, which can... um, They will automatically pick up weapons from the battlefield that they deem to be better than their own. Oh boy, right? Yeah, it's it's really nice actually in practice. Um, Every once in a while, they will drop a weapon that I'm like, no, this weapon is good and appropriate for the situation and pick up one. That's for the particular situation, like objectively worse. Or time to pick up the grenade
1: launcher and try to snipe somebody.
0: Or it's like, no, we're in an enclosed space. Oh, you're going to pick up that rocket launcher and shoot the wall in front of you. Cool. That still does happen sometimes, unfortunately, but generally speaking, it's much improved. You know, you you rescue some prisoners, for example. They run will run around and pick up, you know, whatever weapons are by them initially. And then they follow you to safety. And, you know, you kill an elite. And maybe you don't want his gun because you've got, I don't know, a shotgun and a sniper rifle. But he dropped, like, that carbine. <laughs> so one of the Marines that was holding, like, just a pistol will run over and pick up the carbine and start using that instead. Which sounds simple, but... God damn, is that nice to not have your Marines be a liability and to actually have them be helpful and useful. They will regularly pick up enemy grenades and use them, drive enemy vehicles around, um, work to open doors for you um, and take down barriers that like might prevent you from getting into rooms. They point stuff out to you like, hey, I hear something over there. And it's like, you know, where a secret is. Um, or, you know, a a hidden thing like an audio log or an upgrade or something, all very nice things, but also the enemies do that too. You know, if, uh, you kill an elite and he had a rocket launcher, a grunt will dump his pistol and pick up a rocket launcher to shoot it at you, or, you know, the covenant version of the rocket launcher. Um, so, you know, it, just because you've killed all of the elites and the brutes, like grunts will walk over and pick up the better weapons and still try to shoot them at you. So. That's neat, though. I like that Um, you the the open world aspect of the game. There are these things called fobs, which are forward operating bases, and that kind of serves the purpose of uh, the towers. And, you know, you whenever you capture one, it sort of pings the map and the immediate location around you. But it really only reveals like big missions um, or, you know, mission areas to go to. Uh, You still have plenty of exploration and discovery to do. Uh, rescuing Marines, for example, like they'll tell you where something is and it'll reveal it on your map as opposed to just like, ah, yes, I climbed the tower and got all the information. Some things are naturally revealed by completing other missions. Like, Hey, at one point you take out a, um, what is it like a communications depot? Like you, you capture it and they were like using the, all of their comms equipment to like spy on the, your troops, but then it's like, oh yes, we've captured this facility. So now let's spy on them. And then it reveals the location of a couple of, like, assassination targets that are in, you know, various parts of the map, and you can go take those guys out. Um, The open-world stuff works fairly seamlessly. Um, Every once in a while, you'll get sort of, like, loading as you hop into an area that is, quote-unquote, supposed to be open-world, but really it's kind of a sectioned-off mission area, and it's loading the mission stuff while you're there. Um, There are occasionally segregated... You know classic halo linear missions the first couple hours of the game are like that and then whenever you go after some of like the key bosses in the game it takes you to a separate area that's like okay we're going to do a classic linear halo mission now but uh, you can get vehicle drops explore the open world everything from you know the atvs to tanks um you've got a new sort of quirky sidekick Um, who is a Hispanic man who is unfortunately a bit of a stereotype, um, but he's nice enough. Um, and, uh, he has, you know, quippy quirky things to say as he flies you around the, the halo ring and drops off gear for you. So gameplay wise, moment to moment gameplay. Great. Excellent. You know, the, the game speed is faster, which feels better to me. More options for maneuverability. They all work really well together spider maning with the grappling hook. A plus, two thumbs up. Guns feel good. Um, good variety there. Story. Hot mess express. So. I mean, if if you're listening and you like Halo or you like first-person shooters, and you have Game Pass, there's no reason to not play it. It's certainly not a game that I would say avoid it at all costs. If you don't have Game Pass and you would be buying this, uh wait till it's on sale at least 50 percent off maybe more <laughs> being a story and, guy
1: and the fact that you know you're gonna have to wait for somebody to make a you know video to catch you up on the story right
0: yeah i'm sure they exist out there by now but you know you would have to go find one you have to watch it i mean being a story guy the mechanics are great but, I, you know, even if they hadn't changed any of the mechanics, I would have still been like, all right, this is fine. The Halo 5 mechanics were fine. I can handle this, you know? So, I mean, the mechanics are great. But being a story guy and being someone who has, on multiple occasions, like, talked about my long-term investment in the Halo universe, kind of disappointed in the story. I, that You know, that could be biasing my opinion a little bit, or a lot a bit. But the game itself, I think, is is good. It's worth playing. Just you have to listen to what I'm saying and decide, like, you know, at what price point do I dip in? If you got Game Pass and you like Halo or first-person shooters, no reason not to play it. Otherwise, you got to figure out where your price point is. I think 60 bucks is too much. Generally speaking, I think 60 bucks is too much for any AAA, AAA release, you know, these days because of how much they usually don't give you. Of course, there's the multiplayer. Haven't played it out. Haven't checked it out. Um, It does have, like, a bot trainer mode, so I guess you could play, you know, the multiplayer maps against AI. No idea how good they are or how good that mode is. So, there you go. Halo Infinite. Mixed feelings. Feeling conflicted. Feeling conflicted. All right. uh, I'm going to rest my voice for a moment and let you take over and introduce us to our next topic.
1: So, hitting our one news topic for the week before we dive into a big community corner. It's more of a community alcove at this point. Uh, Square Enix wishes us a happy new year, then ruins it. So, uh, this has been kind of making the uh, rounds on the news. And uh, Jim Sterling brought it up this week. And we thought it would be a good, like, farewell to the topic of NFTs for a while. Although it is just a portion of this complete clusterfuck of a uh, newsletter or open letter, I guess you should say, yeah. Uh, but there's, it, 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 I, I looked at some articles on this, and there are some people that are praising, you know, uh, SquareSoft for you know getting ahead of this, and there's others that have just, uh, basically, I think coming down to where we are and just like really. <laughs> yeah Uh, so w- i'm probably gonna read a good portion of this verbatim and then we'll talk uh stop and talk about it every so often yeah so just let me expand this just a little because the type on that's a little small and uh my eyesight is probably a little shot this uh because getting old yeah <laughs> right? you're getting old getting old and honestly a little tired as uh, well uh, went to get the cat fixed today, and she squalled all night because I had to isolate her, and oh, she's loud. <laughs> right. So, I'd like to begin to uh, wish by wishing everyone a Happy New Year. The metaverse was a hot topic in 2021. Well, oh, fuck, right?
0: Yep, off to a good start.
1: Inspiring a global conversation first about what the metaverse is, and then about what sort of business opportunities it it presents. Against this backdrop, Facebook changed its name in October to meta, serving as evidence that the concept is not a mere buzzword, but here to stay. The metaverse garnered so much attention that 2021 was dubbed the metaverse year. First of all, really? Was anybody really calling that the metaverse year?
0: I don't think so. I wasn't. I never
1: heard that. think that's uh, Facebook pushing out uh, you know, another press release calling it the metaverse here. But also only corporate executives could look at Ready Player One and see this dystopian uh, uh, world it presents. But see you know, this giant metaverse, for lack of a better term that they're using uh, presented in it where all properties are part of this one giant game. It's like Yo, we could do that. Never mind the fact that, you know, the world's been ruined and everything by it and right? Yep. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, right. A- anyway, continuing on. I attribute this in large part to advances in extended reality, XR technology. Though they do this quite a lot, is that they introduce an acronym or an initialism, and then, you know, just kind of run with that, right? Yeah. Uh, And the increasing prevalence of the cloud and 5G. Well, there has been more vaccinated out there, right? (laughs) Getting better network coverage. Always good to see. Uh, More uh, specificated uh, blockchain technology and more technological evolutions that have taken place in a variety of fields over the past several years. That is because of these uh, advantages that we're giving rise to services under uh, fall uh, that fall under no, sorry the, the Metaverse umbrella. The Metaverse will likely see a meaningful transition to a business phase in 2022, with a wide range of services appearing on the scene. As this abstract concept begins to take concrete shape in the form of product and service offerings, I'm hoping that it will bring about changes that will have a more substantial impact on our business as well. I don't. What about you? <laughs> I don't either. I, I mean, first of all, he, he talks about how it was the you know the metaverse year last year, and now it's what well, we hope that it yeah you know, becomes more concrete, right? Yeah, it's just right. Oh, it, it just feels icky, doesn't it?
0: Uh, well, icky is is one way to say it, and,
1: and also buzzwordly. Yeah, you know, bring in five G for whatever reason. Uh, the preference of the cloud. Because, woo, right? There's another one that never really took off. Remember when cloud computing was the thing? Everybody well, was mean, talking about that. Cloud well, computing
0: that... is a thing. Yes, Yeah, yeah like... but,
1: but I'm talking about in gaming. Oh, yeah. Remember that one E3? Yo, know, Xbox came out and talked about how uh, their console
0: was going to be the cloud. I still think that's where we're going, honestly. <laughs> I think Xbox was a little... Ahead of its time on that one, but I, you know, we digress.
1: Yeah, but I also remember the E3 that they showed off the hollow lens before the military bought it up. Yeah. Oh, so uh, let's dive into this one. Another term that gained a uh, quick uh, that. Uh, uh, this is just. Do you want me to take just, a turn? No, no, it's just uh, the way he writes this. It, it makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Another term that gained quick currency in 2021 was NFT, non-fungible token. The advent of NFTs using blockchain technology significantly increased the liquidity uh, liquidity of uh, digital goods, enabling the trading of a variety of such goods at high prices, and sparking conversations uh, the world over. I see 2021 not only as metaverse year one. Sorry, I had to stop to throw up in my mouth a little bit there. Uh, but also as NFTs year one, given it was the year in which the NFTs were meant were met with a great deal of enthusiasm by the rapidly expanding user base of self-trading uh, dipshits there, inflating the value and ripping people off. I'm oh, sorry, eritrulizing a little bit. Uh, however, we do observe examples here and there of overheated trading in NFT-based digital goods, with some speculative overtones. Regardless of the observed value of the contro- of the content provided. This obviously is not an ideal solution, but I expect we'll see an eventual right sizing in digital goods deals as they become more commonplace among the general public and not just my shithead friends that, you know, are ripping people off. Oh, sorry, errataizing there allegedly. Uh with the value of uh, each available content corrected uh, to their true estimated worth. Because, yeah, true estimated, right? I look for them to become as familiar
0: as dealing with physical goods.
1: <sighs> All
0: right. Go on. Let's get through this. We can do this together. Yeah, addri- okay. <laughs> I'm here for you, sweetheart. I'll let go of my hand. <laughs> Never. And
1: take your other hand off my ass. To address these changes in our business environment, the medium-term business strategy that we unveiled in May 2020 invented AI, the cloud and blockchain games as new domains on which we should focus our investments and we have subsequently begun aggressive uh, in our, uh, our indeed, uh, uh, efforts and investments in those areas. In the AI space, we've established Square Enix AI and Arts uh, Alchemy Co. <laughs> AI and AI. A-A-A, <laughs> right? Yep. It's just, what? I mean, Part of me thinks this is a joke, and it should have been released in April, right? Alphabet soup. I'm
0: used to dealing with alphabet mm-hmm. soup for my profession.
1: Uh, uh, well, they released this in March 2020 to pursue uh, development efforts in a wider field of entertainment AI, Are they being constrained by traditional concepts of gaming AI, because, you know, constraints, right? Maybe they should uh, stop constraining themselves to releasing shitty ports because I've heard about that Final Fantasy 7 release. Uh, the firm's R&D efforts focus primarily on natural language processing, world models, and simulation technology. These efforts will help us develop the games that we release into the wild and their enhance uh, their overall quality, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But that is not all. By incorporating the output of these R&D efforts into virtual avatars and Everywhere, we plan to apply that output to a wide variety of content provide the relevant technology to other companies with a view of leveraging those R&D efforts across the entire digital Im- entertainment business. So we kind of glossed over their whole NFT thing and dive- dove into AI, right? Well, that's where they went, though. Yeah, it's just um, they do realize Shinra was supposed to be the bad guys, right? I, I know I'm borrowing this from Jim Sterling, but I, I, a lot of this reads like, yeah, you know, Final Fantasy 7 bad guy press release, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you want to take over a bit, or do you want to comment so- on some of this? Because No, yeah, I'll take over. A, I've got it, a, I... it. It's a lot of alphabet soup, but also a lot of you know, jumping from topic to topic without really giving anything meaningful. It's just, yeah, we want to do this. No info on how we're going to do it. We just, we really like the idea of uh, NFTs because, you know, w- we realize that they're a bit overpriced and people are, you know, inflating the prices by trading amongst themselves. And there's been documented cases of them, of essentially, you know, pyramid schemes with it. Oh, wait, the entire thing's a pyramid scheme. Uh, where they'll inflate the price to such a degree that it'll make it appear as a worthwhile enough investment that'll get some sucker to buy in, right?
0: Yeah, I I have, I have comments and thoughts, but I'm going to reserve them for the end. Okay. So you want to take over a bit? Yeah. Let's see where, what paragraph were you starting? Uh, we are exploring potential efforts. Okay. We are exploring potential efforts in the cloud space from two primary perspectives. The first being leveraging cloud technologies to distribute content. And the second being developing content that offers customers new forms of excitement enabled by the cloud's attributes. More telecommunications infrastructure is being built as exemplified by expanding 5G coverage. Devices are also making performance gains. As these trends continue, I believe that the content we provide will become more accessible, making it more likely that our customers will discover enjoyment as we gain new touch point with them. Leveraging cloud technology is extremely effective as a means of making our content and services uniformly available. And as a catalyst for creating new forms of excitement that expand upon the content development capability for which we are known. As such, we will be making ample investment in the cloud space. Lastly, <coughs> excuse me, is blockchain games, be they single player or online games. Games have traditionally involved a unidirectional flow whereby creators such as ourselves provide a game to the consumer that play them. By contrast, blockchain games, which have emerged from their infancy and are at this very moment entering a growth phase, are built upon the premise of a token economy and therefore hold the potential to enable self-sustaining game growth. The driver that most enables such self-sustaining game growth is diversity, both in how people engage with interactive content like games and in their motivation for doing so. Advances in token economies will likely add further momentum to this trend of diversification. I see the, quote, play to earn, end quote, concept that has people so excited as a prime example of this. Yeah,
1: excited. That's exactly the word I want to say right now. Right? (laughs) So excited. Yay. And also, what would a blockchain game be? Uh, uh, Essentially, Wall Street bets only (laughs) with bullshit game currency? Oh, wait, that's Roblox. Hey, ooh.
0: Um, I realize that some people who quote. Yeah, this is back
1: to the press release.
0: Yeah, back to the press release. I realize that some people who quote, play to have fun, end quote, and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservation towards these new trends, and understandably so. However, I believe that there will be a certain number of these people whose motivations is to play to contribute, by which I mean to help make the game more exciting. Traditional gaming has offered no explicit incentive to this latter group of people who were motivated strictly by such inconsistent personal feelings as goodwill and volunteer spirit. This fact is not unrelated to the limitations of existing UGC, that's user-generated content. UGC has been brought into being solely because of individuals' desire for self-expression and not because any explicit incentive exists to reward them for their creative efforts. I see this as one reason that there hasn't been as many major game-changing content that were user-generated as one would expect.
1: Um, there's entire fucking genres that are yeah. based off of user-generated content. Let's pick one almost at random. MOBAs. Or how about another one? Battle Royale. Yeah, one of the hottest ones in gaming, as much as I dislike it,
0: right? Absolutely. I had a conversation with somebody about Battle Royale games today. Like, in my, my real-life space. Uh, We're we're almost to the end, people. One more big paragraph, and then one more tiny one. However, with advances in token economies, users will be provided with explicit incentives, thereby resulting not only in greater consistency in their motivation, but also creating a tangible upside to their creative efforts. I believe that this will lead to more people devoting themselves to such efforts and to greater possibilities of games growing in exciting ways. From having fun to earning to contributing, a wide variety of motivations will inspire people to engage with games and connect with one another. It is blockchain-based tokens that will enable this. By designing viable token economies in our games, we will enable self-sustaining growth. It is precisely this sort of ecosystem that lies at the heart of what I refer to as decentralized gaming, and I hope this becomes a major trend in gaming going forward. If we refer to the one-way relationship where game players and game providers are linked by games that are finished products as centralized gaming to contrast it with decentralized gaming. Then incorporating decentralized games into our portfolio in addition to centralized games will be major strategic theme for us starting in 2022. The basic and elemental technologies to enable blockchain games already exist, and there has been an increase in the social literacy and acceptance of crypto assets in the past few years. We will keep a close eye on societal shifts in this space while listening to the many groups of users that populate it and ramp up our efforts to develop a business accordingly, with an eye to potentially issuing our own tokens in the future. Our lifestyles have changed and we are learning to coexist with COVID 19. Against that backdrop, I believe the new technologies and concepts that I have discussed and the changes that they bring to our business environment will provide us with numerous opportunities to enrich people's lives through digital entertainment, which is the core of our business. This is the same time. Sorry, this at the same time means that we are seeing the beginning of further leaps forward for our business. We remain committed to creating, developing, and providing world class content, and we will contribute to the happiness of society and its people by offering new forms of excitement. Wish you all the best for twenty twenty two. Not anymore. Yosuke Matsuda, I think is how you pronounce that. President and Representative Director, Square Enix Holdings Co. Limited. And uh, I'm, I'm going I'm gonna say money grubbing cotsucker. Yes. So we just allegedly we just spent like ten minutes reading through all of this, making a few interspersed comments, and we're about to talk about it. The sort of I guess TLDR version of this is that Square Enix is all the in. first company to explicitly announce that they're all in on uh NFTs and blockchain gaming, whatever that is about to become. Um and they don't that give was, a shit. What I don't even anybody know what a blockchain says. game would even be, right? Neither do I. But they, they don't give a shit what anybody says or thinks. they they see all the money in the world and they are going to pursue it. Welcome to your new reality. Fuck off. Like that's you know, that's that's the subtext here. So yes, yeah. I don't know what blockchain gaming could be. Maybe you could do something legitimately interesting with it. I don't know. I don't want to write that off as an impossibility. I do know that Square Enix and Ubisoft and EA and every other company that gloms onto this idea will not make anything interesting with it. They will make something that is exploitative and is, you know, at best scummy and probably a scam.
1: And haphazardly put together, uh, and that barely works. See their latest release on Final Fantasy 7.
0: Yep. The NFTs are we all are aware of this, I think, here, as you know, you and I rage and listeners and contributors to the show. Like we're all aware that NFTs are a bullshit scam. Like we all know that. The the people who created them and who banked heavily on trying to make money off of them have either made their money or are in the process of getting fucked by the people who made their money. Like, NFTs are a scam, and they are... This is really a pyramid scheme. They are a pyramid scheme. Absolutely, that is a good, easy way to describe them. Um, and they are constantly, consistently stealing from artists, and the people who try to peddle them are just telling you, like, bold-faced bullshit, you know, Avon, Mary Kay... To your face lies about the quote unquote product that they're peddling. I would NFTs. say it's more
1: like essential oil because yeah. you know, Avon and Mary Kay, they at least have a working product, you know? That's true. Very uh, true. The, the blockchain, it, that's the thing, is that it, it doesn't even have what you buy in it. It has a URL to what you bought internet dibs on. Yes. Uh, you, know, you don't have the licensing to it. You have, you know, Essentially, the trading card that is that URL. And there's instances of people replacing the item that you bought with, at that URL with some rather rude stuff like Goatsy. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right. Um, uh, d- uh, there- by the way, uh, if you're uh, of a younger
0: uh, age and you don't know what that is, do not Google that. Don't, don't go Google that. Yeah, don't. Save yourself. Uh, or did my bleacher i don't know yeah maybe do who knows the internet's a different place than it was when that was the most shocking thing around i mean mm-hmm. you know donald trump exists now so yeah speaking of
1: gaping assholes
0: <laughs> hi anyways i, I like have it, seen like- i have seen some proposed ideas for ways that nfts could be used in you know more productive ways as a means of like security tokens for online security, or as sort of an additional piece to help prove ownership for certain physical goods, things that are relatively unlikely to change over time, such as property, and both my own personal feelings and you know perhaps your dear listener personal feelings aside about that, those are ways in which an additional type of digital security or proof of, of ownership or stake could be viable. Could be. Notice I say could be. But the way that they're being used is a scam, right? We all, we all know this. And game companies are about to try to figure out how to scam us even more than they already are. Big triple. And the, and the
1: fact that they say that they've never been able to do some of the things that they claim they, they haven't been able to do without NFTs is utter bullshit as well. Because you have things like, once again, you know, the Steam Marketplace, the Roblox mar- Marketplace, where people are trading back and forth, essentially digital licenses. Uh, for yes. items, yes, that that is in essence an NFT. It's not it doesn't have the bullshit, you know, you know, label to it, but that's essentially what it is. It's doing yes, it's uh, do, it's fact, accomplishing it, the same goal. A uh, matter of fact, it's making. more so because you know it's not a URL to some you know poorly drawn image of a monkey, monkey. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, but the Steam Marketplace, you know, like you said, Steam Marketplace, you know, doing this for Team Fortress Two. Counter Strike Go, um, you know, Roblox, uh, Minecraft, perhaps even in some ways, like you know, pretty, pretty much any game that allows you to make and sell custom content. I'm like Second Life, or sorry, not custom digital. Well, I mean custom, but di- digital content. Second Life. Um, there's a game I played a long time ago, like I don't know, five, ten, ten years maybe. There was an MMO where that like that was the whole point of the game was like exploring this alien world and staking claims and selling them to people and you could get real money out of it. And who knows, maybe it was a scam. I was, I never spent any real money on it. Like, but maybe that was a scam too, but like way before NFTs, like you could sell digital plots of land to people and get real money for it. Like,
1: yeah, I remember a few uh, MMOs that were like that. There's a couple that's like that right now that are also very scammy, if not yeah, extremely scammy. Actually. Yeah.
0: Star Wars Galaxies did that. You could create custom content, you know, custom crafted items within the game and they were like tagged as yours, like you and you, you like you exclusively could sell them to people and it was for in-game currency, although I don't know, they might have been some real-world exchanges going on. And and even though this has been like against the terms of service, you could sell like selling wow accounts back in the day and who knows, maybe someone still does it now. Or selling gold, like, you know, real, you know, Go- actual like gold farming in wow or other mmos like you- some of these methods are you know more on the shady side although granted fuck it like you know no more shady than nfts but they would have been outside the terms of service at least for the the game or whatever you were playing but this has existed for 15 20 years maybe more you know who knows like there could be some examples of some stuff that we're not aware of way back in the early days you know of of like multi-user dungeons and stuff that, you know, somebody could have been selling something like. So, fuck that lie, among other lies that, you know, they have told and will continue to tell. The The thing that gets me, and, and some of this, if, you know, if you go watch this week's Jim Quisition, a couple of things that I'm about to say are kind of parrots of those of the viewpoints expressed by uh, James Stephanie Sterling, but I had not thought of them until watching that uh, that episode of of the Jimquisition. So where they talk about like unidirectional service or whatever, like where oh, we make you games and you play them. It's like, no, that's a bi-directional exchange because we're buying them. We pay you money for the games and attached services because, you know, it that's done for an, an unfortunate reality of so many games that we have. You know, they are service as well. Um, and they, you know, could go offline at any minute, yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. I
1: mean, uh, there's a one that's going on right now, Jump Force, which was, uh, well, which is that big uh, crossover anime, essentially Street Fighter-esque game. Yeah. It's going offline. And, you know, those who bought it, that uh, the servers are being shut down in about eight or nine months. Another case of, you know, you know even though you buy the game, it's going to be practically useless to you unless you know couch co-op or couch uh fighting right yeah which in this day and age is a rarity uh, that you know you have people over because you know that whole COVID thing
0: even before the whole COVID thing like couch mm-hmm. co-op was i don't want to say dying but certainly becoming less and less prominent Hmm. um but anyways uh yeah sorry what was, what was i saying uh games as a service oh Right.
1: Right. Right. That's what got um, me thinking about that one.
0: Yeah. But we you know, this is a bi directional relationship. Like we, you know, we pay you money. A a true unidirectional relationship is you 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 know, the only sort of bi direction is you make a game and give it or sell it to the, your players, and then they create content and you don't have to do any work. They create content. They farm Is that
1: the the, the Bethesda model?
0: Hey, you're right, it's the Bethesda model. They create content, they, you know, make your game better, make it long-lasting, draw in other players. If you allow them, if you allow them to sell something, then you, you know, take a cut of that. Otherwise, you just get increased revenue from people getting into your, you know, ecosystem. How about that Square Enix was uh, lying about that because Bethesda exists. That's true. Bethesda exists. Um and and finally like the the the, the quote where it says, I realize that some people who, quote, play to have fun and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservation towards these new trends. Like, the way that that's said is, like, scoffing at normal-ass people who just want to play video games for fun. Like, oh, those people who play games for fun, fuckers. Like, that's how that reads. Like, fuck you, Square Enix. All right. Real life is difficult enough. I don't want to have to deal with any more bullshit in the games that I play for fun. And then, you know, kind of my last, like, fuck you directly, I think, I, I think my last one, directly, you know, towards this, is where they talk about like, people have, you know, something along the lines of like, no incentive to create content other than like, their own, you know, sense of well-being and enjoyment and accomplishment, like... Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? Like, yes, we do have... Not every...
1: Not everybody is a corporate executive. They don't have to spend every single waking moment trying to get more profit.
0: Yes. Or it's all
1: for Rankies.
0: No. In this capitalistic dystopia that you have created, like we do have to have some kind of income so that we can survive. You know, I'll give you that one, you bastards. But I don't want to spend every waking moment of my life doing something, air quotes, productive- for money. I like to do things for fun and my own personal joy and satisfaction. You know, I play a bunch of RPGs and spend hours every week writing and going over story content and reviewing things like I don't get paid for that. I, I just have fun with me and the people that I play games with. I I produce this show with my good, good best friend, Ragemus Maximus over here. And yes, we get some Patreon bucks from some diehard but supporters. Really, who just pay supports, for the uh, servers.
1: Yeah, that just pays for the servers. We don't take a cut of that. Yeah, or, we or don't. at least I
0: don't. No, I don't either. It just sits in an account until it's time to pay the server hosting fee or every to, year,
1: or do occasional, uh, you know, marketing campaign.
0: Yeah, occasional marketing campaign. Yeah, but which, it's like you know, we do might this be time for that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we do this primarily for fun. We enjoy getting together to talk and talk about games and bitch about stuff and get some community involvement every once in a while, like that's perfect. I don't want the stress of like, oh my God, I'm earning X percentage of my living from this thing. So fuck you, company executive, fuck you. Let people make things because they actually do have passion or enjoyment or derive satisfaction just from setting some goals for themselves. To improve their skill set, or to improve a game that they are shock and awe playing for fun. I hope the Square Enix building burns down. Well, and all just the this
1: way, I just pruned my wish list of all Square Enix games. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna fully uh, block. Oh yeah, not buy them because there's a fuck ton of Square Enix games. But at the same time, I'm more hesitant to now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with some of the recent PC ports. I know I've talked about, yeah, you know, brought up the Final Fantasy one, which is also you know, 70 bucks on Epic. And it's incredibly bare bones, runs poorly. And it's just, right? Yeah. But Nera Andromeda, as far as I know, it never really got a lot of post-release support. And it's still, yeah, uh, just, right? It's just uh, Marvel's Avengers. Was it that Square Enix as well?
0: Uh yes, Marvel's Adventures and, and Guardians of the Galaxy more recently. I've heard Guardians of the Galaxy is better, but yeah,
1: mm. the yeah. latest Final Fantasy was basically a you know, uh, royal boy band uh, road trip, which I played a little bit of it in Game Pass and just could not get into. It just feels like they've really been slipping. the The one game I've enjoyed of theirs that I played, re- uh, yeah, within the last like year was. Octopack Traveler also on Game Pass, but yeah, you know, even that is tough to really get into because you know,
0: the company attached to it, right? Yeah, yeah. So we we need a, we need a little break from this. Yeah. Um, it, we we don't want to dissuade anybody. If you want to talk about it on on our Discord, feel free. I'm not gonna like police what you can or can't say. Um. Just please don't be upset if you do post a news topic and we don't talk about it because it's NFT related. Like, this has been weeks, weeks and weeks, every week of a constant barrage of this NFT bullshit. Mm-hmm. And just seeing on Twitter and on other social media, like, now I artists... will make
1: a joke about it every so often because,
0: right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gotta get in there with a little gallows humor. But, you know, I have seen on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, like, artists that I follow and have paid for their works. You know, complaining about those works being stolen and turned into NFTs and, um, you know, lamenting those things. And it's just like need to need to take a little bit of a tolerance break. Obviously, if something major happens, like, you know, something that's kind of this big and this newsworthy or, you know, gods forbid worse. Absolutely. We'll bring it up on the show and we'll talk about it. But we need a little tolerance break from NFTs for a while. Yeah, I mean, pretty much
1: Echoing what you said on that one, it's just it's been much,
0: huh? Yeah, and and also and, and never
1: mind the whole yo know, other rest of the buzzword soup that this mess was. Yeah, I, 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 I hesitate to see where f- this Facebook better is going because, ugh, right? Yeah, I'm really hoping it is just the buzzword, and it sounds a lot scarier the way it is, but yeah you know, also in the very beginning kind of thought that about covid right
0: yep yeah i uh i think it's gonna get worse and it won't get better i hope i'm proven wrong but hopefully at least it doesn't uh, i I hope it doesn't
1: hurt the indie developers too much that's the one i hope for you know yeah because truth be told outside of game pass uh i am really the only triple a or sorry triple a is that better yeah uh, releases i buy anymore or occasionally something on the switch which is nintendo which is its own weird thing going on like yeah you know, and Ania's birthday is coming up so she's getting a uh yeah the newest pokemon game because she's on that pokemon uh wagon even though it's going to be an interesting one I'll, I'll probably end up talking about it uh, Probably sometime during the summer after she's done with it. Uh, essentially, Pokemon Monster Hunter, right? Yeah. From all the re- uh, reports going on, but yeah, it's just mm, a-, a lot of bullshit in the AAA space that just you know has me taking pause of really everything.
0: Yep, I uh, I don't play as many AAA games as I used to. I mean,
1: game pass is basically the uh, the exception to the rule these days. I'm actually going through and pruning game Pass a little bit right now, because you know, got one of these on switch uh, on the winter sale, so don't need it on Game Pass right now. I um, just pruning out things I'm not playing anymore. Yeah.: Well, anyway, uh, you got anything else to add, or just
0: ugh, Fuck right? Square Enix?: uh, that's, that's it. That's uh, all.: uh, all Allegedly. To add. Right. Allegedly,
1: indeed, allegedly. Yeah, I, I'm just sitting here. I'm looking at the Reddit topic uh, for the gym position. It's just oof, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean the, I mean the that, that play to have fun in
0: quotes is just that's galling, right? Yep. Come I don't usually g- use the term like a slap in the face, <laughs> mm-hmm. but damn, that feels like a, a slap in the face.
1: Uh, one of these people bring up a, brings up a good point. Uh, they bring up the Diablo 3 auction house. That that was basically oh, yeah. kind of the first real foray into it, not counting like Team Fortress Two, where they basically bounced the entire game around that thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even and, think about that. Well, they talked about how they had fun, you know, essentially playing the market in it, but you know, th- and that's yeah, you know, uh, good on them. But at the same time, people that don't want to play the market, that want to you know play the game,
0: play the game, right? Yeah.
1: Uh, are kind of screwed because you, know, you have to play the market in order to uh, get what you need because they built everything around people buying into the auction house and trading back and forth weapons that really was never part of that genre. I mean, we've seen uh, so many instances of bad faith on AAA uh, developers where they have to go in and rebalance and fix things because they uh were broken without you know the microtransactions or yeah. You know, uh the uh, uh uh Shadow of Mordor series, the latest one, when they removed the, hmm. the the real money shop, they had to completely rebalance the last chapter because it was too much of a grind all of a sudden, right? Yep. Uh We have an instance right now in the latest Battlefield game where, for the last two weeks, there's been an overpowered skin that's been bugged that makes it so that the character is fucking invisible. And they haven't fixed it because they're making lots of money on the battle pass because people are grinding to get that before they fix it. Even before that, we've had countless instances of just the first-person shooter genre. Releasing essentially a broken weapon, st- stupid overpowered character, stupid overpowered weapon that is not balanced in the slightest. It gets so much money for the company whenever it's released, only to balance it later because, oops, it was a little overpowered. Let's uh, uh, you know, dial it back. But here, we'll release the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many instances of bad faith. That Square Enix saying this, while not surprising, makes me think just how bad are they going
0: to be, right? Well, are said, are, 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 are we going to see EA levels of bullshit? Probably. Although, let's be real, EA will take that as a challenge and, and do new <laughs> bullshit. They're going to have, like, in the next Star Wars game, ten copies of Darth Vader as NFTs. Probably. All right. I'm, I'm ready to talk about something else that is honestly also very shitty, but at least yeah. it's not NFTs. Hey, but hey, it's, a, it's your favorite company. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> they made Halo, they don't keep making it. Um, uh, so, this yeah, but, is an a. Didn't you, didn't you like Destiny? I liked the first Destiny. I have still never played Destiny 2. I played a little bit of it and I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah, probably uninstalled it because eh. I don't think I know what the knew what the fuck was going on with the original Destiny, honestly. Well, but well,
1: well, wasn't you know like ninety percent of the lore hidden behind uh stuff in their website that you had to poke around for?
0: Yeah, it was all in their codex stuff, but you couldn't view the codex in the game, at least not when I played it. I don't know if they ever changed it, but
1: yeah, probably not. I mean, hell, in Destiny two they've removed uh, large chunks of the game because you know consoles.
0: Right. Fucking consoles. Ruin it for the rest of us. So, ruining it for the...
1: Everybody is, yeah.
0: Uh, Assholes. Yeah, it's ruined for them, too. Mm -hmm. Playing a game on a console. Anyways, uh, this was a Community Corner topic to us, um, or sent in to us last week, but because of my internet and power and storms and stuff, we, we skipped over it then. Um...
1: Yeah, uh, go ahead and read uh, or talk about this a little bit. I'm scrolling back to find out who sent this in. Okay. I believe this was Cube. Uh, so, the topic? Okay, so, 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 this was Cube sent in a, a Hodge Law video talking about this, and I just ripped the original article out because, frankly, I do like Hodge Law, but you know, an hour and 20, hour and a half for a, a video to. to Talk about this is a bit much right
0: yeah so the article um the battle for bungie's soul inside the studio struggle for a better work culture bungie uh probably most famous for developing halo uh, has developed a number of games both before and after halo most recently being the two destiny games um wouldn't you know it bungie triple a level studio is uh, a terrible place to work with horrible work culture that is sexist. Not as bad as as far as we know as uh, Activision Blizzard. But I mean, hell, bad. like, well, maybe Ubisoft. Mm. But anyways, like hell, For, this is not well, a good well, place to work. Different shades of shit. It's 50 shades of shit. Yep. Um, the, you know, sort of Cliff Notes Version of this article is essentially Bungie has got a terrible workplace culture that has some sexism and other, you know, sort of harassment from the top down where that quote unquote executive and and managers, executive people and managers are taking advantage of those underneath them, uh, both in terms of their time and work efforts and also sometimes taking advantage of them uh, physically or emotionally Uh, reports of physical, sexual and emotional abuse. Uh, HR protecting the, the company and covering up such as instances. Um, and it got to the point where that the, uh, I, I forget what her specific title was. I'm sure it's in the article somewhere. I'm kind of going based off of memory from reading this last week and, and listening to a couple of things about it. But, um, she, she resigned as her position as like the head HR lady for the entire company. You know, like VP of human resources or whatever, um, because all of these scandals came out and, you know, it was like, yeah, we messed up. Golden parachute, right? Yep. Golden parachute. We messed up. Um, And so now Bungie is saying, we, you know, they put out their apology.jpg for the sexual abuse and Mm -hmm. assault and are saying, we promise to do better. We're going to get, you know, some outside people to come in and look at this and try to fix it. So that's and, there's, and there's your there's your of, cliff notes and sure. also
1: talking about the excessive amounts of crunch that the develop or that the narrative team, which was writing all the lore, all the which yeah you know, was you know, hidden on the website, all the uh, in-game uh, voice lines and that sort of thing, was r- r- running sixty seventy eighty uh to even a hundred hour work weeks with uh little to no breaks. And having one of uh the uh executives over them constantly rewriting stuff
0: yeah
1: uh and tell them to essentially have a thicker skin when uh, complaints would come in come in, and the writers wouldn't even know it was rewritten until after it was uh, uh, given to the voice actors to read, so you know if you're banking on some yo know, uh. Piece of dialogue to be in the game to build off of later. <laughs> tough luck, right?
0: Yeah, tough shit.
1: Maybe that's why the destiny story is such utter. Well, I want. I don't want to say garbage because that's being incomprehensible. Strong. Incomprehensible. Yeah, I, I would say that it's posh, possibly part of it, but also probably you know the fact that you know so much of it is hidden behind just yeah you know, huge hurdles to try to even get to. Yeah. It's just, ugh.
0: all right. Yep. This makes some things in some of the games make a lot more sense. Like, you know, going back to destiny, like destiny one, I remember when the game released, everyone was talking pretty much ad nauseum. Like the codex feels like a band-aid. Like, why did they do it this way? Well, if you've got some executive going and rewriting, uh, effectively destroying chunks of your story, you find out about it last minute, like Game development is an arduous process, and I don't, you know, I'm not a game developer, I don't know the ins and outs, but it's very complex. Like, that much is obviously clear. Like, if you don't find out about something until one, you know, a month, maybe later down the road, you might not be able to go back and fix it, and the best you can do is like, well, we'll just band-aid this on a website because we don't have any other choices. Like, it's either that or there's no way to find out anything that's going on.
1: And it makes me wonder if this is uh, also bleeds over to like Halo having its story so jumbled lately.
0: Well, right? I mean, maybe, but I mean, Bungie hasn't worked on Halo since. Well, well while I, was ta- while I was talking
1: about, you know, but the older Halos w- that they did work on, you know? Yeah. Where part of it I know was just crunch and trying to get out like Halo 2 at the time. But, yo, know, having some motivations there be a little bit weird. Uh, based yeah. on everything that I've ever heard, I mean, Halo Two on PC was behind. I believe it was Vista's uh, uh, OS. It's just no, yeah. And Halo Three only recently, yeah, uh, you know, came to PC. If I recall correctly, I don't think it ever saw a proper port before that.
0: Yeah, Halo Chief. Two. Halo Two was the last PC port of Halo until the Master Chief Collection.
1: So, right. It yeah. does it does make me wonder if this story goes further back than what we realize. And it's just, we're hearing about the Destiny portion of it now because that's where this person was, right?
0: Yeah, quite possible. But, I mean, you know what? I've heard very mostly people who sort of are in the same sort of base on gaming YouTube as... Uh, Stephanie Sterling is, you know, James Stephanie Sterling, mostly people who are sort of in that same sort of sphere or area or however you want to look at it, you know, talk pretty frequently about how the gaming industry is rotten to the core. Every studio, like especially big ones, but even small ones too have sins like this. And initially I was like, that feels very much like hyperbole. But more and more often as these studios are revealed to be, Terrible. I'm like, mm, okay, yeah. This is this feels more plausible. This statement of like they're all rotten to the core feels more plausible.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel bad for anybody that it truly wants to get into game design and work at one of the big studios, hoping to you know make their dream project someday, right? Yeah. Uh, which did you watch the Ditchy Pin one uh, of uh the typical session? That is, oof,
0: right? Yeah. I don't, I'm sure I watched it, um, but I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I'm talking about the game video positions. game university, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did watch that one. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, strangely on point for the game industry, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the Jim, uh, Jim Sterling is essentially like our patron saint these days, especially since we've lost Total Biscuit, right?
0: Yeah, certainly feels uh, that way.
1: it. it Sometimes it feels like the game industry is just trying to get Total Biscuit to rise up out of his championship cup. I
0: mean, you know, that wouldn't make me totally upset. I mean, if it was a ploy all this time to get (laughs) TB to rise from the dead, I'm, you know, well played. But I don't think it's that. That just might happen to be, you know, a uh, a happy accident.
1: Yeah, maybe it's a good thing that he's gone because I think he had had a heart attack by now. Quite possibly. Uh,
0: sometimes I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack.
1: Uh, me, it's usually I want to throw up in my mouth.
0: <laughs> right. All right. Um, our other Community Corner submission. Uh, scientist who trained rats to play Doom 2 says he may start a Twitch channel. Did he yeah, Did he start a Twitch channel? I, I,
1: not that I know of. He talked about the possibility of maybe, but the... Rats only could go for so long, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, and he only has so many rats, right? Yeah. So this is essentially, from my understanding of it, an expansion upon the idea of the rat in the maze. He's putting a rat on essentially a giant trackball and teaching them to run around a virtual maze and occasionally, you know, kill aliens that, you know, can't harm them because, right? Uh, They're using the Doom 2 engine because it's easily moddable and he could just you know recreate uh and create his own mazes and corridors and it, it's just there there's some fascinating like little snippets of video of a rat in a onesie on top of a ball <laughs> running around right yeah uh, it, it's just it, it's amazing the uh conditional learning that you could teach a rat right
0: yeah. I mean you can do this with many many animals. It's not just rats. Most animals yeah, but, can be Yeah, conditioned but rats are also, really Yeah, but
1: rats are also, yeah. You know, cheap to get, right? And yeah. you don't require a lot of upkeep.
0: Yeah. You know? That's
1: fair. Uh, there there's a reason why yeah, you know, the a lab rat is like the yeah. You know, the, the in the public consciousness, you know. Uh they they have a short life span. Uh th- you can breed them quickly. So, right?
0: yeah It's a neat video. It's like five, five and a half minutes of these rats like going through this maze and occasionally killing uh a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's neat though like
1: uh, yeah, and the entire setup's a couple thousand dollars, and that's including you know a giant you know uh curved uh, monitor that the rat sits and watches. yeah. And of course, yeah, uh their treat of sugar water as well, because right.
0: Yep, you have to give him award. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. yeah sort of classical conditioning works, behavioral therapy. Uh, so BF Skinner, um, the sort of not the first therapist or not the first research psychologist to do something like this, but sort of the the one that really made it prolific and and figured out how to, you know, sort of do it practically with with human beings. Um experimented, did all kinds of experiments on various animals in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, it was a bit, pretty big swath of time where he did this. And trained animals to do all kinds of stuff using classical and operant conditioning, that you're providing rewards and positive stimuli that, you know, the, the animal in question, you know, in this case, rat, find enjoyable to prompt them to do the thing that you want them to do. Um, and you can teach some animals, rats. Dogs, cats, uh, various types of of monkeys um, and gorillas. Like, extremely complex tasks just through simple, simply rewarding the behavior that you want done. Um, it's fascinating. So getting a rat to play Doom is neat. I mean, this isn't, yeah, fully Doom. This is a maze essentially
1: in the Doom engine. Right it's there's a little bit of hyperbole saying that the rat is playing Doom 2, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's a little bit more complex than just saying, well, it's a rat in a virtual maze, right? Yeah, because there's a bit more going on than uh them running around the maze. They're actually interacting with different uh things that uh do eventually start killing uh the demons. They have to Uh, for some of the doors have to click a button. And it's just an interesting
0: experiment. Yeah. The type of data that could be gleaned off of this would be really interesting to see and could provide good um, sort of hypothesis fodder for things like VR and how uh, screens can affect brain development and how screens can be Effectively used to teach, as well as the basis of, you know, game gamification and applying game design elements to other aspects of life. Now, rats are not people. And while, you know, rats are plentiful, Uh, you all sometimes, uh, I prefer rats, right? Fair play. But while rats are plentiful and do have certain, um, brain chemistry, you know, physiology rather that makes them uh, useful for performing experience on like this, like. You know, they're just going to provide more or less a springboard to do some research in humans. But you could get some interesting, um, information, especially based on how long you leave them in there, how their their brains adapt to, you know, it being staring at a screen more often. What ways does that change their their brain? You know, is it a chemistry thing? Is this is it a size or a shape thing? Is it um, complexity of the sort of brain pattern wonder- you can see?
1: Uh, just physiologically, uh, how are they seeing the screen? You know, uh, with their you know itty bitty red eyes. You know what they're actually seeing, right? What uh, on the on the stimulus? You know. Yeah, uh, because you know what I mean. Yeah, because I, I I have no idea if this is true or not, but I've heard people uh, talk about how dogs weren't able to properly see CRT mar- uh, TVs.
0: And I'm not sure if that's true or not, but, yeah, it does make me think, right? I guess it depends on what they mean by properly, because dogs only have two color, I, I forget what the proper term is, I know, is it cones or rods? They've only got two color receptors, whereas humans have three. And so the spectrum of color that, that dogs can see is less than humans, so if by properly you mean, you know, they couldn't see the full color spectrum, that's true. But it would be like staring at a monochrome, well, to simplify it, a a monochrome display or, you know, being colorblind and engaging the world in a colorblind or, or, you know, as a colorblind person, it would be like that. I know my dog can see and identify things on the screen. Like whenever we watch a movie that has other dogs or cats in them, even if they haven't made sounds yet, if my dog is in the living room watching the TV, she can identify Dogs and cats, and we'll stand up and like walk over to the TV to investigate. Like, she definitely can see what is going on, but she probably isn't getting the full color spectrum like we are. And it, I, I just Googled it. It looks like rats have the same thing. They've only got two color cones in their retinas. So it says uh, one for detecting blue ultraviolet light and one for detecting shades of green. Um, their color detection is similar to that of humans, but rats are red green colorblind so looks like rats visual acuity is not as high as humans but to a certain extent you could correct that with the screen itself or by placing the rat closer to the screen or with a larger screen and I mean it's pretty big pretty big display compared to a rat so yeah I'm just looking into a little
1: bit more it's looks like it's more of a frame rate thing for a dog Uh, that it was blurry uh uh, CRTs are bl- a lot more blurry, and uh, the resolution.
0: Is it just
1: CRTs, or is it all screens? Uh, it, CRTs that run uh, below sixty hertz. So high, so high frame rate monitors are actually a lot better for dogs. Although uh, the article that this links to is also a little bit of a yeah. Uh, they they throw terms out that's not quite correct and it makes me wonder if the their the author of the article was uh misunderstanding an expert or you know, right yeah they're talking possibly. about how, talking about how uh crts run at 55 hertz which right yeah uh, uh which CRTs in the United States never ran at fifty-five
0: uh, FPS. No, they ran it. Could run, run. it up to sixty, right? Yeah, like, yeah, but yeah but, yeah, but yeah, but we're talking about television, so oh that would yeah, be
1: twenty-four.
0: Well, isn't the refresh? No, you're right. PAL is, is twenty-four hertz refresh rate, right? Hang on, US TV signal refresh twenty-five. Okay. Oh, no, 60. Uh, 60 hertz is the standard frequency of electricity in the United States as the default refresh rate for most TVs. Uh, oh, wait, okay. is this just modern TVs? I don't know. It's the unit, it's in the in Europe, and definitely in the UK, it's, it's 50. Um, okay, so uh, uh, no, the okay, so,
1: uh, okay, now I see where they're going here. Is that the Frame rate for, or the uh, refresh rates on CRTs with the frame rate of the NTSC uh, encoding made the image blurry to a dog, but not blurry to a human because the dog has a, a better detection of motion. Okay. So that, that's where I was going with the rat is, yeah, you know, what is the rat seeing, right? Yeah. And uh, LCDs and you know, plasmas are sharper. And reduces that blurring to a dog, and that's what they're using with the rat. You know, a curved gaming monitor. So right, so that might be compensating for it. Plus, yo, it is Doom Two. So yo, you could run that at probably like ten thousand FPS on a a Raspberry Pi. A little bit hyperbole, but uh, but possibly not
0: right. Yeah, it definitely you could run it at a much higher refresh (laughs) rate. Yeah. So, anyways, neat experiment. Um, You know, I hope they make a Twitch channel. It would be funny and fun to watch every, every once in a while. Um, uh, I don't imagine
1: that they would be able to run it for very long, though, unless they get a lot more rats. Uh, unless they have, like, a rotation go in, because he did say that the rats can't go for too long without getting tired, because, you know, they are running, right? Yeah. Unless they... He t- could you imagine them uh, going for a more complex game where they're not having to run as much? It would be interesting. Rat Guitar Hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rat playing uh, it, it, through fire
0: and flames on impossible, right? Yep. Rat could do it. I believe in the rat. <laughs> All right. So, uh, where where can our. Uh, our yeah, listeners that's the end of the stuff.
1: community corner. You could. Uh, send in stuff bcl podcast at gbl.com. Yes, that is still open, even though we don't get a lot through that. You can drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at BTLPodcast.podbeam dot com. Indeed. So
0: it is 1230.
1: Um yeah it uh, is very late so let's skip out on the doobly doo. And indeed. just go straight to the socials. You can find me occasionally bitching on Twitter. Uh gave me a CR or if you're to be my friend on Steam, you can find me over there at Caffeine Rage. Yes, we're actually remembering you to do the socials this week. Yay! And you are?
0: Uh, Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for such on Twitter, at JMA4707. That's where I spend most of my time tweeting, shit posting, retweeting shitposts. Um, and this week, now that the holidays are over, uh, I will be back to doing, or participating in streams that are of the tabletop games that I play. Wednesday night's Vampire the Masquerade, where you can see me be, or listen to me be, a horrible, evil monster who kills and eats people on a regular basis for fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, but then he also plays a real bastard in game.
0: Yeah, then I just play kind of a dick in the game as well. Um, And then on Friday nights, uh, we play Battletech. Our next Battletech session is going to be a mech fight using Mega Mech. So if you want to see that in all of its uh, turn-based glory, feel free to tune in to twitch.tv slash runicarts. Uh, that is not my Twitch channel, but that is the Twitch channel where we are playing. And
1: Scrolling all the way back up the top, once again, you could contact... As I accidentally hit the uh, one of the buttons on my mouse, because, right... Uh, you, once again, you could contact us, vGpodcast at gmail.com, with your alerts, spells, gaming-related topics... Or just tweet him to us, VGL Podcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this band as possible. We can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. Or you can drop by the the website, VGL Podcast.podbean.com. With the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, to the Discord. Or if you wish to spread the love, we're on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Ken McLoyd. You can find his work in Computech.com and as always as His lovely music
0: just to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye bye.